two, one, action, go. He's back. Back. Guess what? Thank God. Thought I wasn't coming back. Wrong. Darn. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> I'm back. All right. It was nice talking to you last week. Yep. It was nice that we each got some words in. Just a little bit. I bet there's somebody out there. There's some computerman out there who could break it down. And I bet it's like one third, one third, one third. Hardly. Almost certainly. No. Especially if we go back to like original episodes where it was just you and I, or like maybe 75, 25 split. I had to carry you through those early episodes. Mm. (laughs) Sure. You're much more uh, like relaxed now. I feel like in the first couple of years, it was like you're on one of those talk shows on like Channel 4, like Good Morning America, like you're drinking, like you're pretending to drink coffee out of the mug that there's nothing in it or there's like booze in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> booze in it. That's because they were like interviews. It was like, you speak when I ask you a question. I don't think that's true. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What are we talking about today? What are we talking about today, Ryan? Everything. Everything. Basically everything. All right. You guys are great. <laughs> you guys are great at introducing the topic. We are talking about <laughs> see, this is why I have to talk more because you two, I'm like, hey, what are we talking about? And you're like, oh, that's <laughs> what I don't know. Uh we're talking about effort. Uh in what context? In terms of working out. Oh, fitness. Right. This is a fitness podcast. podcast. About fitness. Next week, week, we're going to talk about effort with cooking. Oh. Change, so we're going to change formats. Well. So uh, at the most basic level, this seems like a relatively easy thing to think about uh, and talk about. But we're actually going to talk about how we measure effort. So there's effort in the sort of more figurative sense, like you put a lot of quote-unquote effort into something. But there is within fitness programming ways to measure effort and that is very important and we actually uh, should have a level of effort that changes potentially when we're engaging with our programming throughout the cycle so we're going to talk a little bit about that today so uh i think the first interesting place to start because i think most people who listen to this have some kind of background maybe in crossfit is talking about crossfit effort which is, I think you could sum up in terms of like roast yourself, basically. On the floor, yeah. dead, 10 minutes, hardcore, done. Right. Ham. Ham. Go ham. <laughs> exactly. So I think the idea is uh, typically like you see people lying on the floor. They're sort of like visibly distressed. Shoes it's, off. Sho- yeah. Actually, I, don't under- <laughs> I don't understand the shoes off thing. Maybe you guys can explain that to me. I don't understand the shoes off thing. Uh, and so that's like lots and lots of effort. And so the whole regime is sort of um, sort of guised in the idea of, of high levels of effort, relatively short, relatively intense bouts of effort. So what are – do you guys think there are good elements of that? Is it is it all good? Is it all bad? What do you think? Oh, I don't know that anything's all good or all bad. Uh, I think to a certain extent, we've all been there. We've all participated in CrossFit classes. So we've had those feelings of like, I truly feel like I'm going to die after this workout because 
we can put in that effort or that intended stimulus for whatever workout it is that we were partaking in. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. It's maybe good in the sense that people put in more effort rather than less. So they are maybe going to get a little bit more out of something rather than just cruising through. Um, but probably not good because there's a point where, which we'll probably talk about, like if you're just throttling yourself constantly, you're not actually getting anything out of it to a point and you're probably making, you're probably taking two steps back and one step forward rather than making any forward progress. Yeah, I think it makes sense if you look at the origins of the model and the origins of CrossFit, that it was in many ways a response to people training uncoached in conventional gyms, right? So if you, CrossFit came out of a conventional gym setting, it was just basically personal training that was slightly different. But if you, even now, you can go to any conventional gym and see people uh, sort of just cruising through, like they're there. Um, but maybe almost under the pretense that like just going sort of gets the job done. Or and we've talked about this a lot. When you see people who have done effectively the same thing at the same weight in the same order on the same day for decades, and it, they're not demonstrably better for it, basically. So I think you could think about CrossFit as a response to that, that it's the complete opposite direction that you are going to try really hard you're gonna throw up pass out get rhabdo etc and that was sort of glorified and through that you're going to achieve a markedly better level of fitness and so what sort of metastasizes out of that and especially as like the sport part of crossfit the fitness sport of fitness part comes out is the glorification and what like to steal a james fitzgerald thing the virtue signaling of basically laying on the ground of of making it very obvious to everybody around you you've put in a lot of effort and that to a certain extent if we're doing that several times in a week if you are getting to the point where that uncomfortable where you like can't speak for several minutes or you feel sick afterwards um, you have the, like what we would call the thousand yard stare that maybe that's not like necessarily such an awesome thing, um, that we're maybe not getting a ton of benefit from that. So that's kind of where our, maybe our three backgrounds come from. And I think now, if you ask us, uh, the level of effort is still very high in the level of effort we ask people to do within programming and program design is still very high, but it's a little bit more controlled and it's a little more thoughtful. So that's sort of the big topic of today is how do you thoughtfully program, for lack of a better term, efforts. So tell us a little bit about your experience, Amanda, uh, with effort recently. So you are, are engaged in some programming that uh, asks you to do some giant sets. So if you could tell us a little bit, maybe start with, with explaining to the audience what in the world a giant set is, and then uh, how that works and the stimulus effect that it has on you. They're great. My, my, my new favorite. Uh, so giant sets think like the goal is a 50 rep. Okay. Uh, whatever, 50 reps of back squat at a lighter weight. Uh, but the goal in that is to get to those 50 reps in as few sets as possible. Uh, with taking a very short break in between those uh, sets to equal that 50. So um, 
yeah, <laughs> they have been a, a, an interesting addition. Um, the goal is maximal effort, knock as many out as you can at the very beginning, not pushing yourself to failure. Um, so that's where, you know, some reps in reserve come into play. Um, so right now my is to stop prior to having about three more in the tank, uh, rest for 30 seconds and then get after it again. So, uh, let's, we're going to, I guess that foreshadows what we're going to talk about next. Um, but basically suffice to say, you're going to accumulate those as fast as you can, uh, potentially in one set, if you could possibly could. You're not literally going to go until you fail a back squat. Correct. But you're going to leave some, you're going to stop a few reps shy of that point. Fantastic. So those are giant sets. Uh, on the scale of uncomfortable to comfortable, where would you rate them? Um, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> would you consider them to be necessary, though, for your development? Uh, at this point in my training, yes. Okay. So that's one example. Uh, and that would be what we would call sort of broadly an intensity technique. But if we look at the idea of reps in reserve, this is another way where we can control effort, basically. So now we're going to turn it to you, my friend, uh, coming off of a peak week. So coming into a deload week. So basically a peak week being your hardest week. So tell us about um, your sets of back squat on the second to last day of your peak week and, and proximity to failure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So similar in the sense that extremely uncomfortable, but, uh, instead of stopping three shy of failure, I was like one shy of failure or like run one right before the next one I would fail it. Um, so that sense being, probably a little bit heavier in terms of what you would be using for the giant set, but still extremely, like still higher rep range in terms of more of a hypertrophy focus, but um, I guess still an intensity technique in a way because you're still, I mean, it's intense. You can look at it in the same, in that as simple as that. Um, so I was one kind of one rep in reserve. If you look at R I R, Whereas you with your right now with your giant set are three. Um, so I started at three, six weeks ago. And then as time went on, worked down to one. And in theory, that should be the most, the hardest ones, right? Because you're going as close as you can to failing or maybe at failure for some things. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the end of your cycle. So you're the closest, it's the hardest it's going to be. And you worked up progressively over time. And so this is another um, maybe point of differentiation from, again, maybe like a, like a CrossFit type model where the idea is pretty much to go as hard as you can every single day. And obviously the, the you know, that model is starting to maybe shift a little bit. So that's not necessarily the intention. But I think if you go to most group training facilities, that's kind of the idea. You're going to come in and like try to blow the doors off every single day. Uh, whereas within the programming that we give people, it tends to be pretty progressive. So the idea is not literally to go as hard as you possibly can in the first week of your cycle. That chances are that's going to be way, way, way more than you actually need to derive a benefit and potentially could be falling into the range of too much. We cause so much damage to your muscles that they actually, the best they can do is just to recover to baseline and they don't actually adapt and get stronger. This would be a situation where you're sore for like 10 days. You do like eight sets of squats, 
you haven't squatted in a couple months and you're sore for a week and a half. And that's like, that's, you can pretty much guarantee that like you didn't get a whole lot out of that. So the idea is that we want to make things progressively harder over time. And we can do that in programming with the idea of reps and reserve. Uh, so my question to you guys as programmers and coaches is when do you introduce this? So is it appropriate to start talking about RIR right away if someone's brand new? No. Uh, understanding that concept when you're fresh out of the gate learning movements doesn't make any sense. Because um, everything for you, if you've never done it before, is perceived as maximal effort, right? Like So someone who's just learning the back squat to have a barbell on their back and actually go through that full range of motion for them may be true, like maximal effort. So to try and say, well, this is not your maximal effort. You can do much more than this, but I want you to pull back from that. I think the concept of that is going to be too, too hard to comprehend. I think that you're, when you're newer and for a long time, you're so lost in everything else that's going on that you have like no gauge of, what we're even talking about or you you could think you're three away but you're actually six away just because you're like why that and i don't want to fail like i think i could do three more but in reality you have no true gauge of it because you're so you're so focused on like well this my third time doing this movement i don't want to do it wrong and this is how many i'm supposed to do and the weight i'm supposed to do like so distracted by everything else that you're maybe not completely dialed in with that and i think there's also a point where if you've never hit failure or you've never you you don't have an old enough of a training age to have hit failure or gotten close to it then you have no idea what your body like you have to build up a certain period of time to like be in tune with your body enough to know when you're at that point so when you're two months in you probably aren't entirely that in tune with your body in the same way that someone who's been playing sports for 15 years growing up is probably a little bit better at moving their body in space. Whereas, you know, someone who never has, is going to be a little bit, a little bit tougher. So I think you have to have some time built up of just kind of playing around and getting used to what things feel like before you can think about, you know, oh, I'm, I'm actually two away from where I would be if I failed it. Yeah. I think to sort of piggyback on that, it's in terms of safety, totally inappropriate for someone who's new to be approaching failure because your technical mastery of the movement isn't at a point where you can safely be in a position to to come close to failure like it's an, it, the injury risk skyrockets there so it just doesn't make sense it's also not necessary so when your training age is is near zero when you're at the beginning of the race as opposed to if you're someone who's advanced, advanced being like 10 plus years of actual coached program training, like very, very few people are actually advanced. Um, you don't need to go that close to failure. You actually can be four or five or six away and still derive a ton of benefit. It's not really until you get into be that intermediate and advanced phase that it starts to make a little more sense to get a little bit closer. So that's, a little bit more nuanced, um, but I think the way that a listener and maybe participant can think of this is basically that we're just going to make things progressively harder over time. Um, so another way you can look at this is rate of perceived exertion. So reps and reserve tends to be something more for like hypertrophy training. So if you're training to make your muscles bigger, 
rate of perceived exertion or RPE tends to be the same thing, but for building strength. And it tends to work the same way. So as we're programming for strength training, if someone's in a cycle where they're focused on being able to maybe squat more, deadlift more, press more, pull more, et cetera, we're going to start with it at relatively lower rates of perceived exertion. And as we move through the cycle or move through the training block, those that not, that level is going to go up. And there are different ways to calculate it. We usually do it on a scale of one to 10. That's easy to understand. Um, but generally, we're not going to start at a 10 out of 10 because it's number one, dangerous. And number two, not necessary and not, not most effective. So when we're programming effort, um, where do you guys see problems? Hmm. Um, well, that's hard. And I think it's obviously dependent on the person um, and whether or not they're comfortable within that movement itself. Right. So for people, uh, again, who are newer to fitness, like their perceived effort is truly like what they're doing, right? Like ev they're everything, their brain power, their CNS system is all engaged and is so focused on moving correctly or making sure that they're getting out of it what they want to get out of it. Um, that for them focusing on that itself is, is pretty intense or can be pretty intense because it's something that they've never experienced Yeah. for, for others. Right. So, so even people who've been in it for a while, um, have never really pushed themselves, especially with weight training to a point where they understand the effort to take them to that next level, right? We all have a comfort zone and it's easy to be like, okay, I know that whatever, 250 pounds on a back squat is hard. So anything more than that is going to be really hard. So I know that I'm going to stay clear of 250. Maybe I'm sticking at 200. That's challenging enough. And I'm just going to be there. Whereas for us, our goal is to push you outside of that comfort level a little bit and say, like, it's very clear that you can do more. And just kind of giving our people the confidence to say, like, look at the progression that you've made over this number of blocks, cycles, whatever, and just give it a go. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, certainly. And, and obviously, as, as programmers and coaches, we're not forcing people to do things they're uncomfortable with. The idea is having a continual conversation and using data to illustrate what is and conversely what isn't appropriate. Right. So all the data may indicate in our collected like empirical data, like we were watching someone perform something and it's clear that they are able to maybe express that a little bit heavier in, in basically just a conversation and we can help them with that. So a lot of people in a less structured situation will just default to doing the same way every single time, maybe because that's what they're comfortable with. Frankly, maybe because they don't remember what they did last time. So we can help them because we're using past data understand where they have been and where where they want to go 
All right, so let me ask you the other end of the question. So that's people who maybe are a little bit newer and maybe a little bit reluctant to, to move up and wait. Do you have people who uh, illustrate maybe the opposite issue where they want to uh, basically destroy themselves all the time or they're taking everything to failure and you need to pump the brakes a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think there are definitely people who I have that are kind of in that boat. Uh, they just, I mean, maybe just get excited. Maybe they think like, oh, that was... Is easy enough. I can do more, right? Um, so there's probably a point where you may get some benefit out of that in the sense that there is a reason why we do go to like one rep shy of failure. But uh, there's a point where you're not going to, it's kind of what we were talking about with like CrossFit, like you're going to end up doing more harm than good. So I think it's kind of just a conversation with that client of being like, listen, like there's a reason that we're doing what we're doing and that more isn't always better or heavier isn't always better to failure isn't always better especially if uh you're in the boat where maybe you're going heavier but then you can't stick to the rep range that it's intended to so if you're supposed to be doing 12 but you're like oh i can go heavier but you only get five then you you're completely missing the point of what's going on yeah absolutely i think um you know, certainly we see that and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a point of communication. So either way, if you have someone who's a little bit overly reluctant to increase their intensity, um, and then if you have someone who is maybe uh, overly reluctant to pump the brakes, a lot of times that's where coaching comes in. Or really not a lot of times, all times. It's just we have a conversation of, of so why are we asking you to do what we're asking you to do? It's because we want to help you get to your stated goal as safely and as quickly and as efficiently as we possibly can. And so this and this is the, the quickest path. That's effectively what you're, you're paying us to do. So that's what we're trying to do for you. Um, so the way I think about a lot of training, I said it to Rye this week as we're battling our way through peak week, is uh, nothing's free, right? So if you want to make a change, nothing is without its cost. If you want to lose some fat, well, that requires that you maybe avoid eating, eating certain foods, that you pay more attention to what you're eating in terms of portions and, and et cetera, and timing and all that kind of stuff. If you want to increase your performance, same deal. You need to be thoughtful about your training. It needs to be progressive. It needs to have a sensible pattern to it, et cetera. Uh, so what do you guys think about that? Is that, is that an absurd thing to say to people <laughs> that, that nothing's free or do you think that's, that's, that's close that you have to be a little, um, maybe uncomfortable at times with regard to their effort? Well, I think, uh, ultimately, right. The reason we have these conversations is because our clients and us, uh, we want to see some sort of change in our fitness, uh, in our aesthetics. And the only way that's going to happen is if we actually challenge ourselves and put in effort to do something that we've never done before. Um, so the only way you're going to get better at squatting is to squat and to push yourself beyond what you've done before. The only way you're going to end up with the aesthetics that you want is to make the adjustments to your eating, to your fitness, to get there. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's why like people tend to stall and we hit plateaus because then nothing changes, right? So if we are in like a group class model and like that did really well for you and you're on like this nice little high, but then you plateau, well, something has to change, right? This is why we go through our seasons of training and we've gone through strength and we've gone through hypertrophy and we've focused on other things uh, is, is to make sure that there are the changes that we want to see in our fitness and our aesthetics. Yeah, I think I, the, I mean, basically to sum up what you just said in a couple words, I saw a guy who had a pair of shorts the other day that said nothing changes if, no, if nothing changes. It's like kind of cliche, but it's also, I mean, there's a point to it with all the stuff that we're talking about, but then also, I mean, just in your life too, like if you want to make a change, you're probably gonna have to make a change with something else too. Um, so I think kind of what you were saying, like nothing's free for me, I kind of have the mentality of like, well, okay, peak week is the last week and then you get deload. So you basically get a break, you get some, not time off, but you can kind of pull the throttle off a little bit. So it's like, well, if you want to have a little relaxation almost, and you kind of have to earn it now, but you could look at that through your whole cycle too, or, you know, whatever way you need to put it to yourself, or if that's like earning whatever, you know, earning time with your kids later, because you did this, you're earning more years to your life of functionality. because you did that. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously we've, we've focused this on mostly resistance training, but you can do the same thing with aerobic capacity training too. So a lot of times what we're doing when we're programming that for people is it's intent based. So intent in terms of um, completing specific tasks, like you're going to do this for a given amount of time or you're going to run through it once, et cetera, or for in a given time. And so we can make that progressive and uh, control effort with that as well. And we do the exact same thing. So the goal is not to take somebody right up to the limit of passing out or having like this huge stress response in their body every single time or certainly on the first day. It's this slow, controlled, gradual process of making it harder and harder and harder and having their level of effort steadily climb, but in a way that's sensible and thoughtful. Ryan, I know you do a lot of that with aerobic capacity training, both with yourself and other people. So a couple minutes left. Let's do around the table, around the square circle here, and uh, throw out your last thoughts about uh, effort in the gym, why it's important, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, things for people to take away in their own training. Well, I think for our clients, a number of them anyway, that are in the gym with us are, are getting an intro into RIR and understanding the concept of that. Um, and the idea of being able to produce effort uh, in a way that is going to both challenge you and change you. Um, and if it's it's a concept that you don't quite understand, you know, we sit there and we ask for you to think about your mind-muscle connection. Like, what is it in, in this particular movement that is failing? Is it the actual intended muscle group that we're asking you to train uh, or is it something else? Are you fatiguing somewhere else? Uh, and if that is the case and it's something else, right? We have people that complain about grip with deadlifting. Uh, if your grip is the thing that is dying before your legs do, then you're probably not at the 
intended stimulus of the day or the effort that we're pushing you for because it's not your legs that are fatiguing. And that's the reason that you stopped at your whatever, three shy. I think mine's simple. If you are, if you think it's super easy, maybe suck it up and try harder. If you're getting throttled every day, maybe take the throttle off a little bit and listen to what your coach actually tells you to do. Boom. <laughs> Boom. He just, he just throws his mic out the window. He doesn't even <laughs> drop it. He just throws it at a, a driving car by. Uh, I'm going to stick with nothing's free. I think the idea that um, exerting change is either absurdly easy or some sort of insurmountable mountain to be climbed, is, uh, both sides of that are wildly inaccurate. At the same time, things do take effort and they do take thought. Beyond the very beginning phases, one gets the best results if he or she is thoughtful and consistent and um, has a desire to learn the why. And obviously, we're always in a pretty big hurry to give the why to people. Well, number one, because we like talking about it. But number two, because it's important for people to understand these concepts. It's the whole point of the podcast is explain why. Um, so I think those are the big things is, is if you want to move the needle in whichever direction you'd like, uh, keep in mind that nothing's free. You got to get after it. At the same time, there's a time and a place for maximal and various levels of sub-maximal effort. And it's not always as hard as you can. And that's it. That's it. Square circle. Straight facts. Straight facts. We will see you next time. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, uh, shoot us a message on the Instagram, the Aerobic Power Builder. That's where you can find us. Otherwise, we'll see you later. See ya.